So hey, as we dive into the message tonight, I I thought starting out uh, with a couple of questions would be really good. So on the count of three, no, 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 we'll change this. What I want you to do, I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you if you think this bottle is half empty or half full. So if you think this bottle is half empty, just raise your hand real quick. Raise your hand if you think it's half empty. All right, if you think it's, if you think it's half full, raise your hand. Okay, okay, okay. I actually have no idea whose water bottle this is. I jacked it. Uh, all right, let's try this. Let's try a different question. Let's try a different question. Is this enough water? You have no idea. You, you have, right, the question is, is this enough water? But really to know if this is enough water, you have to know for what. So I've got a couple pictures, and we'll put the first one up. If I said, hey, is this enough water for you to walk through the desert for 40 days and 40 nights? Probably not, right? The, the context of you walking through this desert and this being all the water that you have informs the answer of, hey, this probably isn't enough water. But then, uh, maybe a picture like this, where I said, hey, if this is all the water you have uh, for the rest of your life, you'd say, okay, yeah, that, that's probably enough water, right, just to get by for today. That's enough water. Uh, and so what we begin to understand, right, even through a, a very simple example like this, is that the context surrounding anything, it matters, really, Context is everything, right? Context is everything. Because in one context, this is not nearly enough water. You're going to die pretty quick if this is all the water you have for 40 days in the Sahara Desert, right? But if this is just enough to get you through the next hour, yeah, it's probably fine. And so the context changes everything. And really, when it comes to Scripture, when it comes to God's word, context is also everything, right? Context gives us perspective. It gives us inside understanding. And so I want you to write these words down, right? Perspective, insight, understanding, right? That is what context gives us when we're reading God's word, when we're reading the Bible. And it's really, really important. Here's the problem, though. Uh, that you probably face, that I have faced, that honestly a lot of people face is uh, when we're struggling with something or we want to know the answer to something, we go like this and we go, hmm, who am I supposed to marry God? Ah, Job. Do I know any guys named Job? Probably not. But we open the Bible and we read one verse or we look for one thing without understanding the context. And so it misinforms our decisions, right? We don't have the right perspective or insight or understanding to know truly what God is saying through the person who wrote those words. And so when we look at context in Scripture, right, we see that context, really, it tells us why Scripture was written. Right? When you open your Bible and you're reading a verse, the context around that, those, that verse will tell you why that verse was written, right? And we know that Scripture teaches us, right? Scripture says that the Word of God is living and active, and it's meant to teach and correct and guide. And so we know that when we open God's Word, 
that it will teach us something every single time we read the words on the page. The problem is, is we don't want to be taught the wrong thing. We want to make sure that we're understanding the right thing and we're understanding why that scripture was written. Right? And the problem really is when we don't understand the why, we take that scripture out of context. Everyone say, out of context. Out of context. Out of context. So over the next couple weeks, uh, we're, we're starting a brand new series tonight. It's called Out of Context. So over the next couple weeks, we're going to hit some pretty familiar common verses, right? Like if you go to someone's Instagram bio and they've got a verse up there, that's probably the verse that we're going to be talking about over the next couple weeks because they're verses that people just think sound great or give lots of hope and promises, but that's not actually what the verse is saying. Right, uh, one is Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And and a middle school boy is gonna open it. I'm go football player, NFL. Boom. God says I can do all things. Uh, have you noticed that you're not athletic? Uh, <laughs> we should probably start there. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Listen, we're just roasting people tonight. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But over the next couple weeks, I want us to to really look. At some of these verses in the Bible and to look at the context and look at why they were written so that we can truly understand what God is saying to us. And so tonight uh, we're going to start out in the book of Jeremiah uh, and we're going to look at a pretty popular verse uh, in Jeremiah 29 11. Jeremiah 29 11. It's going to be on the screens for us as we read it. Give me just a second. I'm flipping to it. In my Bible, hey, if you don't have a Bible, side note, if you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'd love to give you one. We have these really cool Bibles that say Journey Church on them. All right, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Here's what it says. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. All right, so I've just talked about how through this whole series, we're going to look at verses that people read and apply wrongly to their lives because they're taking it out of context. So first, I want us to, to re-look at this verse, and I want us to notice how people tend to read this verse. And maybe, maybe this is how you have read this verse. So let's look at this verse again. I'm going to point out some very uh, specific words. Say these words in red with me when I get to it. For I know the plans. I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, I want to stay right here for a second. I want to stay right here for a second because I think these words are really important into showing us how people tend to, to read this verse and apply it. For I know the plans I have for you. Right? Yeah, Siri don't understand either. We expect God to just give us his plans. And what we expect with his plans is for them to be plans of blessings and prosperity. We want God to prosper our lives. We don't want plans that hurt us or don't lead to the most blessings in our lives. We want the plans that bless us. Or we don't want to be harmed. And really, we don't want to work for it. We want God to give us those plans. We just want to receive the plans, and we want to receive hope and a blessed future. 
I don't know about you, but when I look at life, that's not really how it works. And where I would challenge you as we go into this series and when we go into tonight focusing on this verse is this idea that we need to understand the context before we can understand the content. You have to understand the context of how this verse was written, when it was written, why, before you can understand the content of Jeremiah 29, 11. Before you can understand what God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. When we look uh, earlier in uh, the book of Jeremiah, we come to Jeremiah chapter 21. Uh, and really just to set up kind of the picture of what's going on. The nation of Israel has turned from God. Uh, they've honestly said, hey, we don't really want anything to do with God. We're going to worship our own idols, do our own thing, and, and just live life how we want to live life. And in Jeremiah chapter 21, God comes to Jeremiah and says, hey, uh, everyone who's in this city is about to die. And it sounds really harsh, uh, but these people are like living horrible lives. And God says, hey, if anyone stays in the city when the nation of Babylon comes, they'll all be killed. Anyone who leaves the city will live, but they're going to be taken into exile. They're going to be exiled from their, home, their hometown. They're going to go live in Babylon for the next 70 years in exile. And so Jeremiah the prophet he goes to the nation of Israel and says, guys, listen, this is what's up. This is what's about to happen. Get ready. Some people listen, some people don't. And then we find ourselves in Jeremiah chapter 29, uh, starting in verse 4. Uh, we're going to read verse 4 into verse 11, which we just read, so that you can begin to get this picture. It says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Pause right there for a second. He's saying, get ready. Don't make plans to leave anytime soon. Go ahead and build your house because you're going to be here for a while. You're going to be here for a while. Verse 6 says, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase the number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. They had other people claiming to be prophets saying, Hey, I know you're in exile right now, but don't listen to Jeremiah. He doesn't know what he's saying. Listen to us. Hey, it's just going to be like a week, maybe a couple more days, and then we're, we're all going to go back to Israel. No, God says, don't listen to them because they're trying to deceive you. He says, do not listen to the dreams that you encourage them to have. I think I'd be encouraging them to have dreams about me leaving too if I was exiled for 70 years. He says, they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So when we begin to read the verses around Jeremiah 29, 11, it paints a much different picture. Right? A lot of times when we hear people read Jeremiah 29 or 11, they're in the middle of a hard situation, and they're like, ah, it, it can't be that bad because God has great plans for me. But when we read the verses around it, it's like, no, like the hardship, Israel, the hardship, it's about the last 70 years. Like, you're not leaving this place any time soon. And so just as we talk about this verse, and I want to give you a couple ideas uh, that I feel God has uh, put on my heart uh, and things that I've learned through studying uh, this chapter, this book, this verse. And the first thing that I would, would tell you is that this promise that God gives to give hope in a future blessings, not to harm them. It's the promises to a people, not to a person, right? The promise is not to Joe Schmo, the Israelite. It's not just to Andrew or to Lucas or to AJ. It's not to, to Bradley and Kyle. It's not to Nathan. When, when this verse was written, it was not written for a person it was written for a people. Right? Another way that we could say that is the promise is to bless the nation, not the individual. Right? God is speaking to the nation of Israel, not to an Israelite. In fact, most of the adults at the time who were alive when God gave this promise through the prophet Jeremiah, they died before they ever saw this come true. They were dead. They never saw it. Really, the promise was more for the kids than for the adults. That's who it was there for. But truly, right, like it, it seems really discouraging. But the truth is, is that I can experience hardships in my life and God still blesses people. I think a lot of times we land on that this, this idea that the promise has to be for me or for you because if God isn't pouring blessings into my life, then he's probably just not blessing his people. Or God isn't a God of blessings if I'm not being blessed. And that's just not true. There are a lot of times that I experience hardships, but you're probably still experiencing blessings in your life. Right? God can still bless his people when I experience hardships. And frankly, the promise that God gives is, hey, the next 70 years are going to be hard, but I won't forget you. The next 70 years are going to be hard. But when you come out of it, I, I will remember you. Right? The, the promise isn't a life of endless blessings and no hardships. But if we're honest, that's how we would prefer to apply that to our lives. Right? When we read Jeremiah 29, 11, we would prefer to think that God is promising me a life that is full of blessings and no hardships. I think we also have to come to this understanding, though, uh, which I'm, this isn't going to be shocking to you. Consequences are real. Consequences are very real. Uh, <laughs> I was going to pick on Niall here. Uh, his mom, full transparency, his mom said I could. Uh, <laughs> Niall had his phone taken away a couple days ago. And so I was going to pick it. Niall's not here tonight. He's flying to Iowa. But I was going to pick on him and say, Niall, you of all people know consequences are real. Uh, 
listen, when I was in middle school, uh, I had a phone, looked something similar to this. I probably had this taken away from me more days than I actually had it. Uh, and then when I got a car when I was 16, my mom still probably drove me to school more days than I drove myself to school. Why? Because consequences are real, and I was awful. I was a bad kid. Like, if you want to know how not to live as a teenager, uh, read my biography one day, because it'll tell you exactly the way. No, I don't have a biography yet. I'm not that important. Uh, <laughs> if anything, it'd be an autobiography, because the only person that is going to write it is me, okay? Uh, no one else thinks I'm that interesting. Oh, thank you. That's, that's nice. Oh. But here's the thing, right? Consequences are real. And the nation of Israel was experiencing this. Right? They've turned away from God. They're living a life completely opposite of how God has called them to live. And as a result of that, they've been sent away. They've been taken out of their homes to Babylon as slaves, as captives, for the next 70 years. Can you imagine, you're 13 years old. When you walk out of Babylon, you're going to be, hmm, what's that, 83? I'm glad I can do math, guys. Like, that, that's pretty old. That's a long time. But here, here's the thing is, the people who made the decisions had to face their consequences. They had to face their consequences. And what I would challenge you with tonight is this idea of you can't believe your way out of something that you behaved your way into. You cannot believe your way out of something that you behaved your way into. Here's what I mean by that. A lot of times, uh, we make mistakes. We get into a really hard situation. We don't like the consequences. Life gets hard. Maybe we've gossiped about a friend, and now all of, our, all of our friends don't trust us. They dislike us. And we just kind of want to believe that that's not the reality. We would rather kind of believe that God has more for us. He does, but the consequences of your actions are also very real. And you cannot believe your way out of, honestly, the hardships you create. Because the consequences are real. Right, we, we do, we still have to answer for our behaviors. The nation of Israel was honestly, right, it says that they were going to these false prophets saying, please have dreams about us leaving, right? If you have the dreams, then surely it'll come true, right? We'll be out of here in a week, maybe a year tops instead of 70 years. And they just thought that they could believe their way out of this when really they had be behaved their way into a 70-year exile. Now, yes, God, he says through Jeremiah, hey, here are the consequences. Don't worry, I, I've not forgotten you. Right? I, I still have a promise for you. You know, for me, when I was in, uh, when I was in the eighth grade, uh, this idea uh, kind of hit me upside the head like a ton of bricks. Like, I learned this the hard way. Uh, when I was in the eighth grade, uh, I, I got into a ton of trouble, right? I'd been watching things that I shouldn't have watched, uh, doing things I shouldn't have done, and it all kind of came to a boiling point where I got in a ton of trouble. Uh, and I'd been praying to God because I felt guilty of my sins, uh, and I'd been praying to God, God, just help me get out of this, kind of help me just sweep it under the rug, like I know you can save me, and I know we can just kind of make all this go away. 
And when that didn't happen, when instead I got, what I felt embarrassed when my mistakes came to light and my parents found out about it, I got in a ton of trouble and I got mad at God. God, why, how could you let this happen to me? How could you embarrass me like this? And, and I looked, looked back at Jeremiah, you have, you promised plans to bless me, not to harm me. This is harming me, God, surely. But I was missing the point. Yeah, God had plans to prosper me, to give me hope in a future. The key is when I'm following him. Because when I'm not following God, I'm going to make mistakes. It's just a matter of time. And when I'm not following God, there's a reality that consequences will come. And I can't just get out of it because I believe God is good and God has more for me and God wants to bless me. He does. But what he asks in return is for us to follow him. The nation of Israel was not following God. So their consequences were real. Through that situation, though, kind of as I got through it, I realized this truth, though. And I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're in a hard situation in your own life. Maybe you've made some mistakes and you're having to face the consequences uh, and you're mad at God because of the situation you're in. You, I don't know what your situation is. Maybe that's you. But a truth that I learned is that, hey, God, despite the consequences, despite your mistakes, God is still with you. God is still with you. And really what I believe the promise boils down to in Jeremiah 29, 11, is he's saying to the nation of Israel, hey, you've made some pretty big mistakes. You've made some pretty big mistakes. And the consequences, they're pretty real. In the next 70 years, it's going to be hard. But hey, I'm with you. I won't forget you. I know you. I see you. And hey, we're going to get through this together. And the promise still stands that if you will follow me and live your life for me, I will bless you. I'm not going to rip you out of the consequences that you have to face, but I will walk through this with you. And maybe the words that you simply need to hear tonight, hey, is God is not finished with you. God isn't finished with you. Let's be honest. If I asked you to raise your hand if you've made a bad mistake in your life, all of our hands would be up. They would all be up. Because the reality is, is we all screw up and we all miss the mark big time. You've made mistakes today. You'll make mistakes tomorrow. But God says, hey, I'm not finished with you. He looked to the nation of Israel and he says, you've screwed up, but I'm not finished with you. Or do you realize that the same nation that's in captivity in Babylon for 70 years is the same nation that God keeps his promise to and brings Jesus through? Brings the Savior of the world through this nation who in the book of Jeremiah has said, I don't want anything to do with you, God. God sends him to exile, but he, he remembers his promise. He remembers him. He said, you screwed up, but I'm not done with you. We'll get through this. 
And there's a path forward. And what I believe truly, because I've seen it in my own life, is that God can turn your mistakes into a hopeful future. I don't think God is pleased with the mistakes that we make in any way. I think it hurts him to see the choices that we make sometimes. But I do believe that even when we make mistakes, God can use those to rewrite a story and give us a new path forward. Right? There's consequences But if you'll turn your life to Jesus, there is a path forward. If you will say, hey, I've made mistakes, but from this moment on, I'm going to turn to God and follow him and follow Jesus the way that they want me to live and call me to live. Hey, there's a hopeful future for you. And again, maybe, maybe that's where you're at tonight. Maybe you've made, maybe you've made some mistakes Uh, and you're like I was in the eighth grade, and you look at the mistakes you've made, and you say, there's no way that God could ever use me. I don't know. Uh, That was me. That was me for years. When I was graduating uh, college, not graduating college, graduating high school, I began to feel like maybe God was calling me uh, into student ministry. And the the biggest struggle I had was, God, how could you use me? God, how could you use me? You know the mistakes I've made. How could you use me? And the truth and the hope is that God isn't finished with you. He takes your mistakes. He uses where you're at. And he's not finished with you. Maybe you're in a spot like I was where you're mad at God and just wish he'd take away the hardship, take away the pain, take away whatever it is, the consequences, I don't know. The truth is, is that God loves you and he's with you, right? Consequences are real, but the ultimate consequence for your mistakes, listen to this, the ultimate consequence for your mistakes has already been paid for. You may get your phone taken away, you may get grounded, and it sucks, But hear me when I say this, God doesn't hold it against you. Because the consequence for your sin, that's already been paid. Because when Jesus went to the cross, the the consequence that you deserved for your sin, he died for. He went to the cross for it. He took it upon himself. And, And despite your mistakes, despite your mistakes, right, the consequences we face for our actions you can find a new path forward if you'll turn to Jesus. And maybe that's where you're at tonight. Maybe you would say, hey, I've never turned to Jesus before. And I'm tired of the mistakes that I'm making. And I need to walk with Jesus. Maybe you've known who Jesus is, but maybe tonight you just need to say, hey, I, I know who Jesus is, but I've not been living for him. And maybe tonight you would just need to say, hey, tonight's the night that I need to recommit. And say, from this moment forward, I, I'm going to live for Jesus again. I don't know. That, that's between you and the Lord. That's for you as a middle school student here tonight to be honest with yourself and say, where am I at? Just as, as we finish up and uh,
the band's in here, y'all can go ahead and come up and, and get ready. Uh, I'll leave you with this thought. Life is hard. Life is hard. Even following, following Jesus doesn't make life easier. Life will continue to be hard. Consequences are real. There, there will always be consequences for the mistakes that you make and the bad decisions that you make. But don't forget the truth that God is with you because that changes everything. That truly changes everything. Let's pray. God, uh, we thank you for uh, this evening. God, we thank you for promises like the one that you give us in, in Jeremiah 29, 11. God, even though sometimes uh, we take it out of context, we read it wrong, God, truly that promise is that you, you're with us. God, life gets hard, life gets tough, and we don't always like to face the consequences of our decisions and mistakes. But God, I thank you that you never leave our side, that you never give up on us, you're never finished with us. That God, the promise remains true as it was thousands of years ago. God, the promise is still true today that if we will, if we'll turn to a relationship with you and and live for you and follow you in every decision we make and action we take, you'll bless us because we're following you. So God, I pray for these students tonight. You know where they're at. God, I just pray that you'd speak to their hearts. God, I know there's students in this room that feel like they've screwed up. They feel like they've screwed up big time. And they just really feel like there's no way they could ever be forgiven. God, remove that lie from them. Because the truth is, is that Jesus already paid for that. They've already been forgiven. So God, I pray that you would just walk with us. As we go to small groups tonight, I pray that you would challenge us. Help us to grow deeper in our relationship with you. God, I thank you for the love that you have for these students. God, I pray that they would just feel your presence tonight. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.